Welcome to Beyond Limits Week 5, and this week we're talking about heavenly resources. I don't know that I've come up with a better word yet. Um, I think resources is for lack of a better term, but up until this point, we've been talking a lot about the Father's desire for relationship with His creation and just His immense love for us and His desire to to know us and for us to know Him um, and His heart to share His heart with us, to reveal His will, and then to invite us to partner with that will, um, working it out into the earth as it is in heaven. Last week we talked about Jesus looking to heaven and praying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And this idea that we can exist in excuse me, exist in a relationship with the Father in such a way that we can know His heart, know His ways, know His will, and essentially appeal to heaven, tap into heaven, um, seek the Father's heart, and know His will, and then we partner to bring that out on earth. And so um, that has to do partially with the destiny of what He's doing in us and conforming us into the image of the likeness of Christ, and then also the work that he wants to do through us. So he prepared good works for us to do beforehand. So the idea is that we pursue his heart and his will. In Romans uh, 12, it talks about discerning the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God. And we ended last week talking about, just imagine if we use that language, someone said, how have you been doing lately? And you just said, you know, I'm just so connected to the Father. He's revealing his perfect will to me and how that would just be a really interesting way to live. But this is what the scriptures say that we can do by the renewing of our mind. We can discern what is a good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so, again, it's all about tapping into that heart and the mind of the Father by the spirit that he puts in us. And so that's what this is where this is going today is that when the Father does this and he gives us heavenly blueprints and he reveals to us part of our destiny. He shows us the good works that we're to do and leads us to go do them. It's not as though he leaves us to fend for ourselves to just make it happen. Um, you know, when um, Nehemiah was building the wall, he went and he appealed to the king so that he could use the resources of the kingdom in order to build the wall. And so when the Lord calls us to do something to build his kingdom, he is going to provide the resources. And so let me tell you, this isn't, a lot of times when pastors or preachers talk about resources, they mean money, but I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about all of the resources of heaven and all of the resources that the Father has access to on earth, which is all resources, people, money, businesses, materials, relationships, connections, networking, all of those things he'll give us access to in order to build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. But not only is he going to use the things in the earth, but he's going to use all of heaven's resources. So everything that is his within his kingdom, not just on earth, but also in heaven. And so if you think about when he led the Israelites out of Egypt, and they were in the wilderness, 
And the scripture says that he made manna rain from heaven. So he said it was the the grains of heaven that was the bread of angels or something like that. The grain of the grains of heaven, the bread of angels. Really interesting phrasing that he used there. And so he opened up the heavenly realm to manifest food and sustenance into the earth. And so it wasn't grain from the earth that they used to make bread. It was grain from heaven that they used to make their bread and be sustained. And so the Father uses not only the resources and the the things of the earth, but also the things of heaven. And so we're going to talk about one Holy Spirit, how His presence with us and His power through us and in us and giftings and all these things are a part of how He resources us, essentially, equips us to work out His plan on earth. But then we're going to talk about angels and how He has commanded angels from the very beginning. He he created angels and how they've always been a part of His plan and how we see those angels manifest in different types of scenarios and relationships with people to receive wisdom, to receive understanding, to have visions interpreted, to be given dreams, to be given direction, all kinds of angelic interaction. And so we'll get to that. So let's let's get uh, rolling here with the scriptures. So Ephesians 3.20, this was our foundational verse when it comes to going beyond limits because it's the one that talks about now to him who's able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine. So it's this going beyond. He's able to do more than far beyond all. So the father can do beyond what we think or ask or imagine. And he does it by means of his power that is at work within us. And so I would say the primary way, his primary strategy is to put himself in us, to put his spirit in us, to give us his heart and his mind and his thoughts and his love and his attributes, right? Our destiny is to be conformed into the image of the Son. So we are taking all, taking on all of the image and the attributes of the Father as we are taking on the image and the attributes of the Son as we're living this out. And that happens by the Spirit in us. And so I would say the number one thing that he does is he sends a spirit to live in us. That primary heavenly resource, that the the heavenly presence, this alternate realm spirit comes to dwell within us. So there's that supernatural. Beyond Limits is this, a scriptural journey into embracing supernatural possibility. We have to understand on a foundational level, this relationship is supernatural. The spirit that now lives in us and the work that is happening in us and the power that we have through the Ruach Elohim, the spirit of God, the breath, the wind of God that lives in us, it's it, it's a supernatural scenario that literally, or maybe not literally, but the reality is a heavenly being a spiritual supernatural presence comes and and mends itself connects itself to us and that's holy spirit john 3 5 says jesus answered truly truly i say to you 
Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So the thing that happens is that we are born of the Spirit. We are now a child of God, and we are a part of His kingdom. And so that's the first thing that happens when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. So we're born of the Spirit, and His presence is with us, and we are His and I always like to go on a little bit of a tangent here because there's just a really interesting statement that that Jesus made here in this scripture. It's the last part of that verse 5. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. And so Jesus is, is teaching, and oftentimes his audience was not just the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, but it was the Pharisees. And he would say things in front of the Pharisees um, to challenge their, their way of thinking, to challenge their thought process, to challenge their religion. And I think right now, right now, Jesus is, is taking a, taking a swing at religion when he's saying, listen, when the spirit comes and does what he's going to do, what the father desires that he, that he does it's going to be like the wind, and the wind blows where it wants, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. It's as though the Spirit of God is, in a way, unpredictable to even, well, specifically here to the religious individual, that there's this unpredictable nature of those who are children of God, that the Spirit is going to lead people to do things that they're not going to have any control over. They're going to see the effects of what is happening and it's going to come and it's going to hit and they will perceive it and view it and see it. And then it goes and people will say, what in the world was that? And this is what Jesus is talking about. His children will, those who are born of the spirit are going to be like this. We're going to be led and moved by the spirit of God. And sometimes there's not going to be predictability to that. And it's not always going to look like what somebody else expects or look like something that we expect. And so the Lord is going to do what he wants when he wants through us. And I think Jesus just kind of hammering down on this and just saying, Hey, look, like, don't think if you think, you know, stop thinking that, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, um, and so I just love this. There's this idea of a kind of a, a free spirit or a, just this nature of freedom that when we're led by the spirit, we're, we're moved as he, as he sees fit. And it's not always going to look like some people want it to look. And quite frankly, they're just not going to be able to do anything about it. It reminds me of in the book of Acts where the, um, the high priest and all of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law get together and they're saying, what are we going to do about these people that are of the way, these Jesus followers who are turning Israel upside down right now in the name of this Jesus guy? And 
they're like, what do we do? And one of the older guys, one of the elders stands up and he says, look, like we've seen things happen before. We've seen resurgence happen. We've seen prophets rise up and try and stir up a group to rebel and do all these things. And this one fizzled out and this one fizzled out. And he's saying, if it's not of God, you don't have to worry about it. But if it's of God, we better watch out. And so it's like, if it's the spirit of God behind it, there's not really anything that we can do to stop it. And I just love that idea. Like, just let's camp out here for just a moment. We just think about the possibility of, of what we can do with the Lord and when the spirit of God gets a hold of us and the way it's going to move us and lead us and guide us and send us that the things we'll be led to do in that relationship by the spirit in us just to, to be free to, to move and go and, and have this, unpredictable nature, but knowing that it's the power of God behind us. The number one resource, I say, that we receive from heaven is the Spirit of God in us to give us power, to gift us, to give us connection to his heart and his mind, to lead us through this life to do what the Lord wants us to do. It's the main thing that's happening. And so Romans eight fourteen says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And so he sends his Spirit to mark us, to stamp us so that we're born again. We're born into his kingdom. We are his children. He loves us. We are his beloved, and he just adores us. Uh, John sixteen seven. I think we, we hit on this in week one, but I think it's, it's good to look back at it. John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So again, this idea that the helper is going to come. That Jesus and the Father have a will and a plan for us. And he's saying, it's better I go away so that I send the helper to be with you. And so when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the rule of this world has been judged. I still have much more to tell you, but you cannot handle it just now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will tell you. And he will declare to you the things, he will declare to you the things to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said the Ruach or the Spirit of God will take from what is mine and declare it to you. And so as we're on this journey, we're in relationship with the Father. We're seeking his heart, seeking his will. We're getting mandates and blueprints from heaven. He's revealing his heart and his will. He's showing us what we're to do. His Spirit comes and is with us, in us. We're born again. We have that connection. And so the role of the Spirit, that heavenly resource is, in this instance, Jesus is saying, the voice of God in our lives that will hear what the Spirit has to say and that the Spirit will lead us and guide us to truth. He won't speak on his own, but he'll only say what he hears and he will declare to us things to come. So we're talking about, we talked a little bit about this idea of prophecy and connecting with the heart of the Father and, and receiving truth. But in this scenario, if the Lord is 
leading us to do something. He's given us blueprints. He's given us mandates. He's shown us the good works to do, and we're moving forward in that, and we're in relationship with the Spirit. We're discerning. We're seeking the heart of the Father. Part of that relationship is Jesus is saying himself that the Spirit's going to come, and he will show you things to come. There are times where the Spirit will lead us and guide us and show us where we should go and what we should do with specific details. And that's huge that the Lord doesn't lead us to just figure it out or leave us to just figure it out. He shows us where to go. He shows us what to do. We talked about this with the disciples trying to take the gospel into Asia. And it says the Spirit stopped them from going to Asia. And then they had a vision. So they went to Macedonia. And there was a time where they were trying to figure out who they were going to set apart to go on mission. And so they prayed and fasted and worshiped. And it says, while they were doing this, the Spirit said, set apart Saul and Barnabas. And so, again, we have this proof, essentially, that the Spirit is doing in the lives of the disciples what Jesus said the Spirit would actually do. And so, again, you'll hear me say this a million times, we can press in and say, Father, where do I go? Father. What do I do? How do I do this? Who do I invite to be a part of this? Where do I go for this? How do I get these resources? How are we going to build this? How are we going to build that? What are we going to do? Let me just tell you a real quick story because this is, this is pretty amazing. So you guys may be familiar with Kingdom Builders. And Kingdom Builders started, <clears throat> I think it was just before the second trip to South Africa. And so... Christine and Kim pressed in and started asking the Lord what they should do to essentially, I don't want to butcher this, but like, what can we do to have people give to this ministry to help us connect, to help us to continue to do the things that you want us to do? We got to pay for the mission trips. We want to do all these things. And the Lord showed them like, hey, start this thing called Kingdom Builders, and you're going to do a podcast, and you're going to invite people to give to the ministry and partner, and you can do one-on-ones. And he began to reveal to them this plan to do these things. And so they started doing that. And so they knew that they had a mandate to go to South Africa and to continue to build relationships there and to host conferences and connect with the body and to release kingdom and and start ushering in the restoration that the Lord wants to bring to South Africa. There's a huge work to be done there. And so they inquired of the Lord. He showed them what to do. And so this kingdom builders thing got going. Well, COVID hits, everything shuts down. Well, all this time passes by and all of these finances start to build up so that now that there's another trip that's coming, the resources are there for a lot of people to be able to take this trip to South Africa. And it's something that the Lord set up in the past to prepare them for what he wanted to do now. And so again, it's just this idea of saying, what should we do? And then him leading and guiding us to show us what to do. And, um, and again, the Lord said, go to South Africa and do these things. And then the question is, how are we supposed to get finances for this? And the Lord says, I have just the plan. (laughs) I know just the thing. (laughs) I want you to connect with others. I want you to network. I want you to do this podcast. I want you to partner with other people in this ministry, ask people to partner, ask people to give to this. And uh, he's provided. It's just an amazing thing. So uh, moving on. 
Acts 1, 8 through 11. Let's talk about this real quick. Um, give me a second. So we talked about being born of the Spirit, uh, receive truth and guidance from the Spirit. We talked a little bit about power from the Spirit, but let's, let's just look at this verse. But you will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all through Judah and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And after saying all this, while they were watching, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And so we'll just stop there. So Jesus gives a command to his disciples, right? Again, this is a revealing of the will of the Father and an invitation into co-laboring and partnering to bring about that will on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus then says, All authority has been given to me. Now therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching, teaching them to obey all I've commanded, and surely I'll be with you even till the end of the age. So Jesus is saying, look, you're going to go into all of the earth and you're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom and you're going to disciple people. You're going to teach them to obey all I've commanded. And so in this moment, I don't know that those 12 disciples or 11 at this point knew every language on the face of the planet, right? I don't think they did. And so they're thinking, so we're supposed to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're supposed to teach everybody, but we're supposed to start here and then it's going to go out. And so Jesus then says, okay, go and wait and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit will be your power to be a witness to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so I'm going to give you what you need in order for you to go and live this out. But first you got to go wait until that comes. So they go, day of Pentecost, they're praying, and then we see um, this, you know, sound of viol or violent wind, rushing wind, and then tongues of fire that come to rest on them. And then what happens? They start speaking in tongues, proclaiming the mysteries of God, and there are people from all over the region, from different places, who have come to worship in Jerusalem, and they're hearing the disciples praising God in their own language. So this is a fulfillment and a giving of the, exactly what they need to be able to go and do what Jesus has told them to do. I want you to go tell everybody of every tongue and every nation and every tribe about me. Well, we don't know every tongue from every nation. And then the Spirit of God comes and boom, they start speaking in the languages of all of the people that are present from all of the different nations. And that just kind of blows my mind. Another thing that happens real quick that I think is pretty amazing to point out is that on the day of Pentecost, they also were celebrating the, the day of the giving of the Torah, or the giving of the law of Moses um, from Moses being in the presence of God on the mountain. And so the father then goes on to say later that he was going to take his law and put it on the hearts of people. He said, I'll put my law on your hearts. I will cause you to walk in my ways. I'll cause you to be obedient to my commandments. And so in one instance, we had an external law that only brought death because it was a knowledge of good and evil. And it was only by the works of the flesh that they were trying to essentially adhere to this law. And the father revealed later of his, uh, more of his heart later saying, look, I just, I'm going to put the law on your heart. It's not going to be an external thing that you read 
that's going to cause you to be obedient to what I'm calling you to do, telling you to do. It's going to be me putting my spirit of obedience, my spirit of sonship on, on you, in you, and then that's going to cause you to walk in my ways. And so what happens then on the day that they're celebrating the giving of the law, the spirit comes and puts the law on their hearts and then they go and live in obedience. And so there was a replacing, there was essentially a trade that happened in that moment. He was trading the law for the spirit. He was trading, he was superseding the law of, um, of the flesh with the law of the spirit where there's life and peace. And so we get power again, from the Holy Spirit. Um, Acts 16.10 is me talking about, uh, or excuse me, is talking about leading by the Spirit. I think I mentioned this, but it talks about uh, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had went come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them so they're trying to go, and the Spirit's saying, don't do it. So they're being led and guided by the Spirit. So we get truth. We're born of the Spirit. We get power by the Spirit. We get led by the Spirit. We get truth. We get the heart of the Father. We get all of these things by the Spirit. The Father sends a Spirit to allow us to move forward in bringing about His heart and His will on earth as it is in heaven. Real quick, 1 Corinthians 12, 4. You guys know about the gifts of the Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but they're all given to believers by the same Spirit. There are different ways to serve, but they all come from the same Lord. There are different ways the Spirit works, but the same God is working all these ways. And all the people, the Holy Spirit's given to each of us in a special way. That is for the good of all. To some people, the Spirit gives a message of wisdom. To others, the same Spirit gives a message of knowledge. To others, the same Spirit gives faith. To others, that one Spirit gives gifts of healing. To others, He gives the power to do miracles. To others, He gives the ability to prophesy. To others, He gives the ability to tell the spirits apart. To others, He gives the ability to speak in different kinds of languages they had not known before. And still others, He gives the ability to explain what was said in those languages. And all the gifts are produced by one and the same Spirit. He gives gifts to each person just as He decides. So based on what the Lord has us doing, based on the kingdom assignment that the Father gives us, He will resource us to work out that kingdom assignment, and He does it by His Spirit. So if my, my kingdom assignment is to establish a healing center at the hub, at the source, He is going to allow the Spirit to manifest gifts of healing through the people who are part of that ministry. I mean, it's just as simple as that. So the gifts of the Spirit manifest in relationship to the mandates and the blueprints that He gives us to manifest on earth as it is in heaven and in accordance to the good works that He's prepared beforehand. And so let me just say this. I think this is important. There may be something the, the Spirit is empowering me to do in this season of my life when it comes to me building this part of the kingdom and that manifestation happens through the Spirit in this instance. It's on my destiny scroll, right? He predetermined it. This is one of the good works I'm going to do. But then later on, in another instance, He might manifest another gift of the Spirit or another way of the Spirit's power to get this part of this blueprint or this thing done. 
And so where in one season or with one assignment, it may not be the same manifestation as with another season and another assignment. And so he does that according to, again, all the gifts are produced by one and the same spirit. He gives gifts to each person just as he decides. So who decides on the gifts that are given? It's the Father. He decides. Interestingly enough, Paul does go on to say when we're t- he's talking about spiritual gifts that he says, if you're going to desire spiritual gifts, if you're going to be eager for the gifts, be eager for this one. And so what he's saying is that there can be a desire for a gift and we can appeal to the Father and desire a gift and be eager for it and the Lord will decide to give it or not to give it. Again, based on what he has us to be doing. And so just because we don't have a certain gift in this moment, number one, we ought not to play the comparison trap or play the comparison game because we lose every time is what I always say. And so seeing that somebody else has a certain gift, well, I want that gift. Well, be eager for the gift and ask the Lord, but ask him if that gift is something that he's sending to empower you to work out the part of the blueprint or the mandate that he's currently assigned you with. Because it may not be in this season that it manifests, but it may be in another season that it manifests. And so just a little side note there for you. That was a freebie. Okay, Jason, you're muted again. Am I here? Now you're here. It's so weird. I wonder what's happening because I'm not touching anything. Right. I don't know, but it's working to mute and unmute. That's odd. Okay, well, let me just get a drink since we took a break here. Christine, so much spirit on that. What are you talking about? Dude, when you were talking about that and how um, we can desire these different gifts um, and for that to be used toward what the Lord has for us on our destiny scroll, it's just, man, I just felt like this surge of, of the power of the spirit behind that. Um, I think I forget that. I mean, I don't, I don't know the last time I asked for a certain gift. I I just don't even think like that. And I, you're right. How Paul reminds us of this. And I, I used to think that, He was crazy when he would say, oh, you should desire prophecy. And I remember thinking, prophecy is the worst. I hate this gift. And now I'm so thankful for it. So he was wise. I was a dummy. But anyway, I just think it's cool how we can desire these things. We can ask for the good things from the Lord. And, you know, he will empower us for whatever we're supposed to do. It's true. It's always about partnership. It's, I want what you want, right? Jesus taught us to pray. There's so much behind that. It goes so deep. Jesus taught us to pray, your will on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, that's it. It's when we pray in conjunction with or in partnership with, and we can even, we can pray for, we can ask for a revealing of the will. And then when we receive that, we can communicate a partnership in that and saying, yeah, that's what I want. And I think I've, I think I've talked to you about this before, but I'll just mention it again, that I was praying one day and asking the Lord, like, you know, or I was upset about 
some sin in my life and I'm just like, oh, I'm so sick of this. Like, I just want to get rid of this. Like, and my prayer was based more on preaching that talks about the importance of killing sin and, you know, you need to get rid of sin in your life and you need to do this, that, and the other and set up boundaries and get accountability partners and do these, read this book and get this app and do these things. And, and so doing all that and not seeing any freedom and then crying out to the Lord in frustration because there's no freedom. And I'm just crying out to the Lord and saying, you know, God, I want you to take this away. I want you to take this away. And so in my frustration, I, I cried out and I said, what do you want? And he said, I want your purity. And I'm like, well, so do I. But there's a difference between me crying out for it and him communicating that I, I want this too. And so this is a partnership. This isn't you just trying to figure it out on your own. This isn't you trying to make this happen apart from me. Because what did Yeshua say? I'm the vine, you're the branches. Anyone who abides in me will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so there's a lot of good intentions in people preaching like, kill that sin, kill that sin. But if you're not doing it with the Lord, you're not doing it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If by the Spirit we put to death the misdeeds of the flesh, then we'll live. It's by the Spirit. It's in partnership. It, it, sometimes in partnership and sometimes just complete reliance on like, I just need you to do this. We were talking about this earlier today, and I'll go on a little bit of a tangent, but there's a difference between deliverance and, and a partnering work. So, like, the Father responded to the cries of those who were oppressed by Egypt, by Pharaoh, for 400 years. He says it was all part of his plan, he told Abraham, but... They were enslaved. They were oppressed. And in order to get out of under the hand of Pharaoh, they needed a deliverer. It was not a work that they could make happen. They could not, on their own, deliver themselves from the hand of Pharaoh. The father had to supernaturally intervene, but he partnered with a deliverer to make it happen. And he came and he set the captives free. So there's a difference between a delivering work, a work of the Father, and then us partnering in a work. So after he led them out of Egypt, then came the obedience. Then came the Moses leading and guiding them through the wilderness. Then came the time where the Father was trying to get the people of Israel to trust him. Hey, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be a fire by night or, you know, fire. Yeah, it was by night and a pillar of smoke by day. I'm going to send quail. I'm going to rain manna from heaven. I'm going to spew water from rocks. I'm going to, well, it should have been not the rock, but I'm going to do this. There's going to be all of these supernatural things. I'm going to supernaturally sustain you. I just need you to trust me and I need you to, to, Go with me. Follow me. I'm going to lead you and provide for you. And it's a, it's a partnership. It's a relationship. So again, it's this idea that we can do it with the Father or it's just a work that essentially he has to do. Um, and so I don't know why I went on that tangent. Hopefully that made sense for you. We're running out of time. I, I 
want to get to some of my favorite stuff talking about angels. So the Spirit of God with us, He's with us. He commands angel armies. They're created beings for a purpose. The Hebrew word is malach, and it means um, messenger, but it's these angels serve different roles and different purposes, as we've seen in Scripture. They came to do certain things, and they interacted with, uh, with mankind in different ways, in different supernatural ways. So we're talking about supernatural possibilities. So as we look at these stories about how angels have interacted with man all throughout the Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, I want us to grasp what is possible when it comes to angels interacting with men. And then I want us to consider that when we shut the book and we put it off to the side, do we believe that the Father is still working like this? Or do we want to box him in and say, well, that's how he worked then? All through the entire narrative of Scripture, he's doing this. But then for some reason, when we shut the book, we think, well, is he still doing this? Not everybody thinks that way, but some people think that way. And so let's just, we'll get into the scriptures and see what happens. It's, I love preaching about this. So Judges six nineteen through 23. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephab of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot, and he brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. So the the angel had very specific instructions for Gideon. The angel's perceiving what's happening, and he's saying, the angel's perceiving that that's unleavened cake, <laughs> and that's broth, and that's meat. I see what you're doing. And so then he instructs him. So there is a communication between the angel of God and Gideon. So there's supernatural communication between a, a a created spiritual being and a created spiritual human being, right? This created entity, that physical entity that exists on earth. We have a body, okay? And so this angel manifests in some way, shape, or form where he hadn't manifested before. He manifests, he begins to speak to Gideon. So we're already talking about the supernatural here. And get this. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and 11 cakes. So all of a sudden, this spiritual angelic being has a staff that he uses to reach out and touch the meat. So we're talking about a physical, there, there is a, a, not a blending, but a coming together of realm. So there's the physical realm, there's the spiritual realm. The angel manifests and takes a staff and touches the meat. And so you've got invisible, spiritual, supernatural manifesting in such a way that it's interacting with the physical. What is that about? That's super interesting. And so we're just talking about possibility here. Here's something really cool. And fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and unleavened cakes. So all of a sudden, this angel's manifesting fire from rocks. Okay. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. So again, we have a manifestation and then a disappearing. So you've got this angelic being, this spiritual supernatural being that's showing up, talking, touching things, making fire happen, and then disappearing again. And so we just want to talk about what's possible. It's possible. It's in, I mean, this is one instance, but listen, you guys, we, I mean, the Bible 
the scriptures have angels all throughout, and they're constantly interacting with the people of God. And again, the Father has revealed himself to these individuals and has invited them into relationship and into partnership with his will and then commands them to go do things. And as they're doing things, they need help. And so he sends an angel to go help them. Hey, Gideon is doing this sacrifice. Can you go help him do that? Like, he, he needs to do it a certain way. Can you go reveal to him how to do that thing? Right here in, in Daniel 8, 15 through 19, we get another instance where this prophet Daniel is, um, he has a desire to have a vision interpreted. And it's just kind of like a, to me, it seems like a, it's kind of a normal thing. He has a vision and he's like, huh, that was interesting. I wonder what that vision means. And so all of a sudden the Lord speaks and tells Gabriel, right? Is it Gabriel? Where are we at? Yeah, Gabriel. He tells Gabriel, hey, go tell Daniel what that vision means. And so let's read it real quick. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli, and it called Gabriel. Make this man understand the vision. So Daniel's like, I had a vision. I wanted to know more about it. And then all of a sudden, a voice comes and says, hey, Gabriel, help Daniel understand. And Daniel hears it. Okay. And he says, so he came near where I stood. So this angel manifest. And when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. So he's like, what the heck's going on? This is kind of scary. But he's, he said to me, understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the time of the end. And when he had spoken to me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But then he touched me and made me stand up. And he said, behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation, for it refers to the appointed time of the end. And so you've got Daniel, a prophet. He gets a vision. He says, I want to understand it. God commands Gabriel to come help him understand it. Gabriel manifests and says, hey, here's what the vision means. Daniel, for whatever reason, falls asleep with his face on the ground. And then Gabriel then too also breaks that physical spiritual barrier, touches him, makes him stand up, and then proceeds to interpret the vision to Daniel. And so if you want to talk about what's possible, it's possible that angels are commanded by God to manifest, to show people what visions mean when they inquire of the Lord. I mean, it's as simple as that. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to help those who are inheriting salvation? This is a scripture that we'll look at a little bit later. But this is what it is. They're helpers. They're, they're messengers. They come to bring a message, and the Father commands them to go and do things. And so just the idea, and I hear Christine and, and Kim and everybody talk about this all the time, is like, have you asked your angel to help you? <laughs> you know, it's like, have you inquired? Is Have you even looked to see if maybe the Lord has commanded angels to come and help with the scenario? It's like, we think we're, listen, we think we're out here by ourselves. We think we're out here all alone, like going through life and all these things happen. And we're like, oh yeah, everything's spiritual. It's not always natural. And oh yeah, we, the weapons of warfare are, are, are divine and we can demolish strongholds. And oh yeah, our, our, our struggle's not against flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, and, and the dark forces of the earth. But then we think that all of that spiritual 
attack happens on us and that there's no spiritual response except that, oh, well, all we can do is pray. You know, like we have divine weapons to, to demolish strongholds. We, we have angel armies. <laughs> we have the angelic beings that are commanded by God to come. Scripture even said that Jesus could have commanded angel armies to come and wipe out, right? He could have. And so it's like, well, what do you mean, uh, you know, angel armies? Well, that was Jesus. He could have done that. Well, are we not also sons? And are we not also inheriting all that is his? And is not all of the kingdom ours because it's his? And are we not also co-heirs? And are we also not seated in Christ with the earth and our enemies as our footstool? Are we not as he is? You know, do we not have his mind? Do do we not have the same spirit in us that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us? I mean, we're not alone, you guys. We've got the spirit. We've got all of heaven's resources. We have the Father's heart. We have the Father. Listen, we, if anything, we have the Father's will behind us. I mean, if he says, it shall be so, then believe me, it shall be so. And so, again, let's get back to the angel thing here. <clears throat> Um, let's move to New Testament, Revelation 1, 1 through 3. The revelation of Yeshua, the Messiah, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. So remember Jesus said, the Spirit will show you things to come? We had it proven right here with John getting revelation of the things that soon must soon take place. So the Spirit showing John this is going to happen. Jesus said, the Spirit will show us things to come. John is getting shown things to come. The proof is in the pudding, right? He made it known to him by what? Sending his angel to his servant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Yeshua the Messiah, to everything he saw. How fortunate is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. So again, they're calling this revelation a prophecy. What is prophecy again, other than a revealing of the heart and the mind of God to a to a person in a given in, in, in a situation by the Spirit. And that's all it is. Blessed, how fortunate is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. And those who hear and keep what has been written in it for the time is near. So you get John, who is then led by the angel through the heavenly realms to see all of the, it was like past, present, and future. He's seeing things happen, and I, I think it's past, present, future. But he's in this realm where things are happening, and things have happened, and things will happen, and things are taking place, but things will take place, and he's seeing it all happening. And to me, that's just amazing, an amazing thing of like this uh, Hebrew mentality, this Eastern mentality that everything is like circular and whole. And so God exists outside of time. So things that are happening within the time timeline are happening in past, present, and future. And so it's like this whole, it's all taking place at the same time, but not at the same time. So we don't think linear, linear, linearly, that's a hard word to say. We do not think in a linear fashion in that there's a starting point and then there's an ending point. This whole thing is circular. And so John is seeing in heaven, and then behold, I saw, and they were doing this, and then behold, I saw, and there was this. And so it's saying things to come, but things were happening. And so anyway, it's just really interesting how he got into this realm and saw these things going on. But he was led through the heavenlies 
by this angel. And at one point he interacts with the angel in such a way that he tries to worship him. And the angel says, no, no, no. Hey, I'm one of you, bro. Worship God. Don't worship me. Worship God. So no, no, in no way, shape or form right now, am I talking about interacting with angels in a way that we are worshiping angels? Don't let anybody say you teach worship. No, we don't. We teach what the scripture has to say about angels. And then we, we say, yes, Lord, I want to experience all that you have for me by your spirit in me and everything in the angelic and the heavenly realms. Like whatever you have for me, we say yes. Can you imagine if the angel went to John? He's like, hey, I'm going to take you into the heavenlies. And John was like, whoa, 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 this is outside of my doctrine. I just don't know that, and it, man, you know, like just not really sure I want to do this. Do you know how my friends are going to respond? Like, you know, this is crazy. So I want to say, yeah, I want to experience all that you have for me. Like whatever you have for me, yes, take me, lead me, guide me. So again, uh, we're talking about saying yes to how the Father is functioning. Listen, there's a reality. There's a reality. And for many of us, it's beyond our realm of understanding. For many of us, we're pressing in and learning more. We're experiencing the culture of heaven. We're experiencing the culture of the kingdom because it's on a different playing field. The reality is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven function in a way that we may not totally understand currently, but we can come to know it. We can come to learn it as we're existing with the father in relationship. Listen, John, he has an experience that to him, I mean, I, I, I wish we could, I wish we could see how he was responding to this, like, or responded to it. Obviously he was like, I have to write this down, <laughs> right? The spirit of God told me to write these words down. I have to record this and I have to circulate this letter of this revelation that was given to me in the spirit on the Isle of Patmos and I was led through the heavenlies by an angel. And he's writing this letter to other disciples and other believers and they're probably reading this letter being like, this is freaking awesome. And Christians today will read this letter and be like, I don't understand revelation, but you know, it's like, I try and stay away from that book or they read it and they think it's all about end times and rapture. Nobody's trying to wrap their mind around the fact that this actually happened to a believer and the possibility of what that's like. And if that happened today, people were like, oh, all right. And so now we, we interact with people now in our circle that are just like, yeah. And then the Lord showed me this thing and he led me to this room. And then I saw this other thing. And then there were angels and they were singing. And then there was a trading floor. And I, so I traded and then everybody stood up and honored the Lord and they were blowing trumpets and it, like this stuff's happening. You're just like, wow, that's amazing. And some people were like, well, I don't believe that. Where's that in scripture? It's like, come on. What do you think? Again, I always talk about this. Like, what do you think's happening in heaven right now? They're just all standing around like waiting you know, there's activity in the spiritual realm that not many people really seek to understand. And me being one of them, I press in sometimes. I don't press in all the time, but let's, uh, let's keep going. Matthew 120, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, so Joseph gets uh, in a dream, interacts with an angel, and the angel gives him instruction to, to not 
essentially leave Mary. Um, he says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son and here's what she'll do. And so Joseph in a dream has interaction with an angel. The angel speaks to him, gives him instruction. Joseph wakes up and then does what the angel says. And so is Joseph a heretic for doing what an angel commanded him? Oh, you should only do what the Lord commands you. I mean, you, know, you just—I mean, just the Father. And many of us are like, "I'm only—you know—I only trust Scripture." Well, what if Joseph only trusted Scripture? He wouldn't have trusted an angel, and he would have been disobedient. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to think that way, think that way to everybody in Scripture, because at one point they were living human beings who were on the earth, a part of the Lord's story and interacting with his kingdom and his, his beings and his spirit, his revelation and his plan and his will in the way that he wanted them to interact and inviting him into it. And his will hasn't stopped. His, what he desires hasn't stopped. So just consider that. So we had an angel who came and helped Gideon with a sacrifice. We had an angel who helped interpret a vision for Daniel, we had an angel show up in a dream that told Joseph what to do. We had an angel show up to John to lead him through the heavenlies. So we're just thinking about possibility. What is possible with angelic interaction concerning the kingdom? Well, there's a whole lot of possibility right there with just those four, those four um, stories. I love this one. Let me try and I may go a couple minutes over. I think you guys will be fine. I'll be okay. Luke 2, 13 through 16. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So you get the shepherds. They have this experience. And they're all there, and all of a sudden, the heavens open, and there's this angelic host, and they're singing and praising God, and all of a sudden, the angels go back into heaven from where they came, is what it said, right? When the angels went away from them into heaven, so all of a sudden, there's angels, and all of a sudden, they're not. Where'd the angels go? They went into heaven. There are these places, wherever the Lord decides to manifest, that the heaven meets earth, and the angelic comes and they sing and they do these things. And so the, the shepherds, they have this experience and all of a sudden they're just like, hey, we got to go do this thing because we see this experience as the Lord making known to us something that's to happen. And so it's just really interesting to me that they interpreted that scenario in that way. They were like, this, this truly was God leading us to go do this. And so they were taking that experience as a leading and a guiding of the Father to go do something. Again, messengers. Um, let's see here. Let's just end here. Hebrews 1, 4. Are, we, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? And so in the New Testament, after Jesus comes and lives and is crucified. He gives mandate. He gives command. He invites his disciples to partner in relationship in, in, um, 
in doing his will on earth. He empowers them by his spirit. As they begin to go on that journey to do these things, they're led and guided by the spirit. There's angelic interaction. Peter is broken out of prison by an angel, right? They're, um, they're stopped by the spirit of God from, you know, by the Spirit of God from going to Asia. They're led and they're guided. You get John, who's in Revelation, and and gets Revelations led by an angel. And then you get the writer of Hebrews is just basically making a point. He's saying, listen, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation? So he's making a statement here. Angels are, are ministering spirits. And to minister means to serve. And so they're sent to serve us and serving in the way of, of help. And they serve in the way of, of guiding, right? Go help him with understanding that vision. Go help him to make that sacrifice properly. Go help Joseph to understand that what's happening with Mary is from me. Go show John the things that are to come. And so let's read this last statement, what's possible. It's possible that God has not left us to fend for ourselves, but has sent his spirit to dwell in us, and all of heaven's resources, including angels, are available to us to accomplish what the Lord has willed for us to accomplish. It's all according to his will. It's all what he wants. It's all what he desires. And we just, again, we partner and we say, your will on earth as it is in heaven. We say like Jesus prayed in the garden, Nevertheless, your will be done. And if we say yes to what the Father desires, He will do it in the way that He desires. And we should be open to say, it might mean that there's going to be some sort of angelic experience that's going to happen. It might be that He wants to send an angel to speak to me. I was listening to a um, to somebody give a testimony the other day, and they were saying that they were in their room and that they were on their bed, and they looked, and in the doorway, they saw something that looked like a man, and it began to speak to them, and they realized it was an angel. Manifesting, bringing a, a word. I heard a story once about some missionaries, missionaries in Africa. It's always a story about missionaries in Africa. But they're there, and that there's this tribe that was really aggressive, and that they were in this area and that the tribe up to that point had been pretty okay with them being in the area, but it got to a point to where it turned hostile, and the tribe had actually planned to come and attack the missionaries. And they said that the missionaries came to attack, and that they got to where the missionaries were staying, and that they essentially got scared and ran away. And one of the spokespeople, the person of peace within the tribe, told the missionaries, my tribe came to attack you. But when they showed up, there were these beings of light in white clothing standing all around your camp, and it scared them away. And so what they realized is that the Lord had sent angels to come and protect them from the attack of this tribe. And that just blows my mind. It just... The fact, I mean, that's wild to me, right? By, by th this tribe had decided that they were going to go murder these people. And the father says, hey, go stop them from dying. 
that just blows my mind. And so I just want to say like, yes to whatever the father wants to do. Just say yes. Like, I mean, wherever we've stood before with this whole angelic thing or, I mean, just yes, Lord, whatever you want to do, protect us, lead us, guide us. We say yes. We, we want to partner. We, we say thank you. We say, we say to the angels who have been assigned to serve us as ministering spirits, we say thank you for being obedient to your creator. Thank you for doing what God has commanded you to do. Thank you for being obedient to God and saying yes to his will on earth as it is in heaven. Like we just want to honor them for doing that. Like they're, I mean, wow, such an amazing thing to consider. And so anyways, why am I getting worked up over, ah, right? Culture, the culture of heaven is honor. And so, man, just step into that. Yeah, Lord, whoever, let's not be, let's not be afraid. Don't be afraid of that interaction. Don't be afraid of what someone's going to think when you say you saw or talked to an angel or angel manifested. It's the kingdom. All of God's people, many of God's servants all throughout scripture had angelic interaction to lead and guide them in the things that God wanted them to do. I had a dream from an angel. I heard an angel. An angel appeared. There was an angel that appeared. There was an angel that appeared. Hey, Jesus isn't in the tomb. An angel appeared, right? We were walking on the, this road. An angel appeared. I was in prison. An angel appeared. Right? I was on the Isle of Patmos. An angel appeared. I was trying to do this thing. An angel appeared. I was trying to understand this vision. An angel appeared. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's amazing. I mean, let's just grasp that this is a reality within the kingdom. There's angelic partnership and angelic service to those who have partnered with Yahweh to bring about his will on earth as it is in heaven. And so we understand and we say yes thank you father for the spirit in us thank you for the angels around us as we move forward in the things that you want us to do so 